so many quick uh, affected peer pressure or how a business is supposed to look. You've got to have lots of staff or you've got to doing this. You've got to dress like this. You've got to have a BMW if you're an estate agent. You don't. I think it's that thing that drives you is what's inside of you, your own spirit. You're on the mic with Megan. Well, thank you, Adrian, for agreeing to be on my podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, as a, as a business person, you've been in business for quite a long time. So I am, I'm quite keen to pick your brain on a couple of subjects. And I'm sure that you have a lot to contribute to both myself and my, my listeners. Um, so I don't know if you would like to maybe just dive in awesome. and, and tell us a little bit about yourself and give an overview of kind of what you do, where you came from, what you were doing before you started the, the company. Okay, well, I grew up in the northern suburbs in Johannesburg and I matriculated at Greenside. And when I was at high school, things that really stuck in my mind was I wanted to go to university, but I thought my family can't afford it. There must be other ways for people to work. So I've been working from a young age, from about 15, 16. I always had jobs. And I think it's a good thing. I think spoiling kids and giving them everything is not necessarily the way to go. And I always had this travel bug that I wanted to join with a Latin tour in in our day, Standard 7 or 8, and they were all going to Italy. And my mom said to me, there's no ways you're not going anywhere. And that always kind of stuck in my mind that... Other kids got to go and I could never go. So as soon as I finished school, I wanted to travel. Then my first job, I worked at Avis in Sanson and I earned 600 rand a month. (laughs) I left Avis, which is a great company. I mean, they've got really good values. Like, you know, the customer comes first, very service orientated. How can we help you? So I learned a lot at Avis. Female dominated. I was very young. And I wanted to do the traveling thing, and I joined an estate agency selling property. And I sold three houses the first month in West End. Yeah. I was paid up 15,000 Rand. Jeez. So then I was from a salary of 600 and driving a clapped car, now had 15,000 Rand. And I knew that I had to learn because I never had the university education and I didn't have a lot of skills. And I had to believe in myself. I think if you don't believe in yourself, even if you have supporters, your family that are your team cheering you on, you have to believe in yourself. So I learned keeping at night in Randburg. So I think a lot of people that you speak to, success isn't overnight. It can take 20 years to be an overnight success. Mm. And I think you've got to keep learning and you've got to keep getting on top of somebody saying you're too young. Because I remember going to Walter Freden Park in those early years and people would always say, maybe it was a joke, maybe it wasn't. Is your mummy with you? Mm. And it was so insulting and could have thought, am I too young? Am I not good enough? Am I too short? All these things that go through your mind. So I think if I can give you one tip, which we also learn in our real estate training we do now, EMA, Positive Mental Attitude. When you wake up in the morning, if you're going to get up at half past four or five, I sometimes do and think, wish it was like agents that are making it and are doing well. In their businesses, they're paired, they're organized, 
getting up early and they prepare to put in the hours. Yeah. Do you believe in like formal education or a lot of self-study? really believe, and this could be an unpopular opinion, that you get street smarts and book smarts. My son has got three degrees. He works for a very top company. He's paid absolute peanuts compared to what I'm earning. Mm. So I still feel it's that on-the-job training. It's having a mentor. It's asking. It's a, As I said, it's an extremely unpopular opinion. My daughter's also going to university. And I think it's those graduates that come out of university and say, well, what now? I can't work. Mm. Whereas by the time I was 20, I'd already had three jobs and it started two businesses. So I still think got to go to university. Why? Got to go to Damlin and do a course. That's that kind of practical experience. Yeah. A lot of things are hands-on. And, and as I said, is unpopular because you you can study anything you want. You can do an honours, master's, PhD in anything. I feel that a lot of um, entrepreneurship can be self-taught and you learn by your mistakes. So could possibly what you do is study and then don't have time to do anything. They then apply for a job and it's a double-edged sword because the person then says, what experience have you got? It's just feel the two have got to go hand in hand. For me, it's a lot of you know, that have degrees are working for people, doing work for people that have no education. You obviously went straight into running a business. In our little uh, chat before the podcast, you mentioned that you had started an, or you were running an ice cream parlor down in Cape Town. You then came up back to Joburg and you had a dog parlor before you actually ended up in real estate i don't know if you want to delve into that how come you ended up in real estate because all of that was quite different obviously being an entrepreneur you're always looking for an opportunity but how how did you end up in real estate when your path to that point was in really different industries people often put you in a you know you you sell houses or you have a food business if you are an entrepreneur especially now i can see from moving into selling hand sanitizers and all types of things so to me always be compliant i think a lot of um when you're moving between fields it's, it's about compliance always find out the laws what you should doing find out what government regulations are and have a good lawyer on your side that guide you through things contracts don't sign contracts on your own rather get people around you which is people that you can rely on which could be a lawyer business coach in terms of your business itself, obviously real estate agents, just in our area, there's, uh, there's quite a lot of them. How do you differentiate yourself from your competition? Because uh, I'd imagine, I mean, it's not just real estate, a lot of businesses and, and industries are pretty cutthroat. And with COVID now, um, you, you're going to have to go above and beyond in order to differentiate yourself and ensure your business stays relevant in terms of what people are looking for now. So I think firstly, you need to identify your target market and who wants to do business with you. If somebody doesn't want to do business with you, let them go. Don't spend a lot of money on marketing campaigns and dealing with people who don't want to do business with you. The second thing is what I do is try and set a target to do a deal every day. And the reason why I say that is your first day is Monday. And Monday, you feel like doing the laundry. You don't feel like working. Monday will become Tuesday. And then as we say, manana, tomorrow will become never. A whole week will go. A whole month will go. So 
think have that discipline of doing things different. That's what I try to do is say, I'd like to do a deal today. I'm going to try and set out this morning to get some business. When you go to the petrol station, it doesn't matter if you walk dogs or do podcasts, get out of the car and introduce yourself to the person who owns the garage mm. or the manager. Give them your business card, be professional and say, I always get petrol here, I live in the area and I walk dogs or I sell real estate. The second time you come back, the owner will greet you. He'll say something like, oh, my cousin's looking for a house to buy. So that's the very first thing is get personal with people. Regular places you go, like the garage, do not fill up petrol, give the guy the card and the tip and drive off. Make a point on that day of introducing yourself, telling them what you do, asking them maybe a little bit about their business. Have they got a car wash? Or what are the specials that they sell? Some have got mug and beans, others have got you know, gross garage pies, which some people <laughs> like. So Ask them about their business. Do they have a Facebook page? How long have they been? Do they stay in the area? I think it's about creating community for yourself and other people and saying, I want to do a deal today. I won't wait till Sunday because it's show days. What if it rains on Sunday or pandemic hits the earth or some other natural disaster? So I think it's putting off. Don't put off all the time. Is that does that make sense? Yes, yeah, yeah. Now, you've mentioned, I suppose, um, in a way, networking, which is obviously what you uh, kind of were describing with your garage example. How important is formal networking to your business? Because, you know, you get the free events and then you get your paid memberships that refer business to each other. Uh, do you belong to any kind of paid membership networking or do you rely solely on the free ones? Because um, I find that the... The paid networking, while I can see the value, I find that the pricing of it is just so expensive. Definitely, um, do not, as a small business owner, spend your money paying for networking. There are lots of free networking groups. Another thing you can also do is start one. There's Business Doctors in Honeydew. They are a fantastic company. They're very supportive of businesses. And we had a business network at San Vino, at Eagle Canyon. And I said to them, you know, I'd like to sell houses in Northcliffe and Fairlands. And they introduced me to Nari, who's their business doctor. And Nari and I went to a small coffee shop in Northcliffe. We asked them, could we meet once a month? And it's a free networking. It's quite strong today. There's 33 members. Mm. It doesn't cost anyone a cent. So my advice is start a networking group, be a leader, and also put your business in a very good stead if you were to have a networking group and you were in charge of it. Mm. The other thing is, if that's not your thing, join and find out where they're networking events and be consistent. Don't join a free networking group like Hirsch's and arrive once. Mm. The meetings once a month, schedule it in your diary. Every single month, you're going to make an effort to be there, present as best you can and network with people. I've got a lot of business, maybe 60% of my business from networking. Yeah, networking is just such an important aspect that I've discovered in, in the context of my business, especially being a service business. Um, I find service-related business is a lot more difficult because you're not necessarily, you can't really enter the, the e-commerce space like um, a lot of people are now doing. You, you need to actually have that connection. And I know that you've done a lot in terms of giving back to the community as well. How has your, for lack of a better 
better term, social uh, responsibility benefited your business? Because uh, you mentioned just uh, the other day that you um, you donated a whole bunch of food parcels to an old age home. You've painted a library before. Do you find that those kind of social responsibility um, projects add value to your business as well? I think definitely people consider you a giver. So in other words, you're not just doing a lot of business and thinking the money. You know, on community projects, you get to let your hair down a bit and also meet people. So people will build your business. The more people you know, people can recommend you. So on the social projects um, at the moment, we, there's always something we're involved with. We do um, food at Kingsway, which is the Kingsway School. They bring kids from Debsford. It's a fantastic, fantastic school. Closed, obviously, because of the COVID, but... Prior to that, we did sports days there. The kids were so awesome. Always got a big smile on their face. And then when we started doing it, which was actually from the heart, I just wanted to do the community project. A lot of the teachers would come up to me and say, oh, we live in Radia Cook, we live in Allen's Neck, and we've seen your boards, we know who you are. The other one we've got is in Fairlands, which is the Moths Cottages, They're all on Sasa Grants, and we have a good time. We've got a lady who's catering. We pay her to do catered platters, which we take to Moths. And I thought, well, we can't do that. Let me find out if they need anything. Mm. And when I phoned in, the lady said to me, it's bad. There's people that don't have food. So we got, there's 52 people over the last three weeks. We've got 52 food parcels. We then got donations from clients of mine that saw my message on WhatsApp, on our Facebook page. We donated 14,000 Rand into the Moths bank account. We got masks. So every single person there, I actually dropped off this morning. Every person there has got a mask then when they have social events there and people will say oh we used to live in polo avenue before we were retired and we came to live at moths and i was like oh my goodness you neighbors with gary and it's all just networking sharing and also giving back i think suppose you get people that have made lots of money and believe that money's theirs i've got nothing against those people but we as i say come from a ground where you don't need to have the fanciest house or 10 pairs of shoes. I actually enjoy the giving back, which is maybe a side of my personality that I can exercise through the social kind of work instead of through the business. Because in business, business is business. We have to charge the fee. We've got to get on with the work. But there's lots of community projects businesses can get involved with. I always feel a little bit bad to speak about the the, the social responsibility or um, the, the altruism section of my business because if you're doing charity work you obviously don't want to toot your own horn or whatever the saying is because that kind of defeats the the point of doing a charitable act but i feel especially now yes. during covid19 um there have been so many people affected by this this, this lockdown um, i mean i've done the odd uh, pro bono to to try and help people just keep their businesses afloat financially i can't necessarily help people but just by giving a service and helping that person save money on their bottom line, uh, it, it, it's very rewarding. And I think it's true that what they say, if you do a good act, it will come back to you. We are social creatures, and I think that we are programmed to want to help each other as well. Megan, in your case, it could also be about balance. That, you, know, you could ask that person, do you have a friend or someone who could pay me for my work? Mm. So I think you've also got to ask for business. There's nothing wrong with that either. Helping someone and saying, no, didn't do this kind of work to help you. I am an estate agent. I make my money from selling houses. 
who you maybe have a friend or family member who is thinking of selling their petite. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be giving, doing work or you know, that are at no charge. Next, they can also recommend you because remember, Hello Peters, your Facebook recommendations very strong when somebody's looking for people to do, do work. When we were chatting before, you'd mentioned that people have been asking you about um, real estate now during the lockdown. And I've seen your um, your WhatsApp statuses and that kind of thing. You, you still seem to be working, which came as quite a surprise to me because, you know, real estate is quite a, a hands-on thing in terms of viewing houses and speaking to people. How are you currently dealing with the lockdown in terms of your business? And is there anything for anyone who may be wanting to buy or sell or move? Look, it's changing all the time. Yesterday, there was information which we got from Dykes Van Heerden, as well as it's been on business news. You can now move during the lockdown, but you must have finished moving by the 7th of June. So because I travel a lot, a lot of my rental business, we use paper. PIP is one of the top systems, a system for rentals. So you don't need to have that much contact with clients. Landlords can use the app. It can track their transactions. It's very easy. So we've been using paper for quite a long time. We've had clients filling in snag sheets and sending us photos of defects for many years. Mm-hmm. So the rental side of the business is not different. People that moved out, we did have some people that moved out during the lockdown. We did do rental deals. Basically, we would advertise. People see the adverts on Property 24. We email them, email them rent applications. So we've used digital processes in the rental side of the business for a long time. So we had to adapt a similar type of thing to selling, where sellers will give us a mandate, which they email us, they fill a checklist, which is the declaration of the property. And it's different. I mean, you know, Veroni did that in contact form for us. Yeah. We don't have a website. So it's a maybe way of doing business business can be done you cannot stop business from being done lockdown will be released things will be will reopen properties a roof over somebody's head they're always going to need it and they're also going to need somebody that's going to care you know as i said there's different styles we had to adapt but we also eliminated a lot of time wasters we're only working now with pre-approved buyers we've got a lady that has a pre-approved sift certificates for us and she got a bond for somebody at Standard Bank in 24 hours which we thought they're on lockdown they want that business Standard Bank granted the lady a bond wanted to register the bond like in 24 hours so the banks are organized they're moving into their distressed properties the systems will be up and running soon because they don't like to repossess properties so a lot of things are happening you just have to adapt People don't like change. Say the worst thing you can ever do in business is say, we always did it this way. If you haven't yet got your business online, I think that you've kind of missed the boat. It's kind of like, I think a lot of people are treating this uh, COVID lockdown period as a, a bit of a holiday, whereas other people are kind of working all the way through. And I think that those who are working are definitely going to be on the front foot when things go back to some kind of normality at the end, because anyone who's not actually working through this period, they're missing out on a, a whole stack of opportunity. So, yeah, you just have to prime yourself to see the opportunity. No, 
Megan, I totally agree with you. I mean, during the lockdown, we had a transaction in Alan's Neck on a flat, and the lawyer said to me, I'm not working because it's a lockdown. And I said, could you please just send an email reporting on the deal and saying it will start up again when the lockdown, you know, here's a buyer and a seller in the middle of a transaction, and we're now in a lockdown. And I thought, let me phone the seller. I don't know. I'll just say to him, you know, how are you and whatever. Yeah. And he said to me, oh, I'm so glad you phoned because my dad's been very sick. And I said, wow, I'm so sorry. I, I don't want to disturb you. He says, no, no. I want you to sell my dad's townhouse. He's been moved. They won't come back home. They've He'll be in frail care. And if I hadn't have contacted him and said, I'm really sorry about your transaction during the lockdown. So it's exactly what you said. Those people that have decided, well, it's a lockdown. We're not going to work. And other people have grabbed the bull by the horns, like another legal company we work for, offer online training every single day. Today they had Fun Friday. Everyone I know who's an estate agent, I've sent links to, and I've said, join with these guys. They literally have from Monday to Friday training, where other lawyers have sent emails, others have edited the act, and some have said, sorry, we'll come back to work when the lockdown's finished. So that's massive degrees of that have given their time guests, hosts, learn Zoom and all types of things to a middle range to others in the exact same field that have said, we're not going to do anything and what are we supposed to do and we're stuck. Yeah. We're stuck in the mud and that's it. It's that whole victim mindset, you know, as opposed to actually trying to, to, you know, find a solution. I think there are too many people that have that victim mindset. Your agency is quite small compared to some of the other real estate agents in the area. You've got Remax, for example, which is a worldwide brand. Obviously, your structure is a little bit different. You made the decision, obviously, to stay small. Why did you decide to keep small and kind of cap the scaling of your business? You need to decide if you want to stay small or sell or go bigger always consider yourself what are your goals and what's good for you for me i think real estate is a very personal thing if a couple comes to you and says they're getting divorced and they have to sell their house it's not a joke often there's kids in the house been in the house for many years there's all kinds of things happening so i think it's an individual choice if you want to set out and say you know i want to have podcast businesses in every town or I want to pull the structure. That isn't what I wanted. And we were very lucky that we had the type of customers that said, you are your business. If your name is on that board and you are small, we also have a small business. That's why we want to support you. So it's for me, it's a total personal choice. Those people that like the big companies, that like the structure, we've got fantastic real estate um, companies in the area. I think Chaz Everett, company ever they've got the chairs cares customer for life it's totally person's choice how they want to go if you are your business you taking risk in that you make a mistake you can't blame somebody else mm. there's lots of aspects i just enjoy hands-on i don't like it if a colleague goes to a property i say you know what was it like it's it's kind of like a piece of me is this business after all these years i've read a book recently by a fairly large entrepreneur and his book basically says that if you're not scaling your business and growing it you're setting out to fail i have my own views on this because i believe that there's a lot of kind of one-man bands or kind of micro business 
businesses that are really successful. I'd like to get somebody else's opinion on this because I feel I don't want to end up in charge of a very large company. Even the idea of having an employee kind of frightens me because as soon as you've got more than one person in the business, then you've got bureaucracy and you have to put rules in place and and, and it slows down your process. So I'd like your opinion on that, uh, that comment about if you are not scaling, you are kind of setting yourself up to fail. I think costs money scale up and the South African marketplace is different to how people trade in other countries. So the minute we had the COVID-19, they said we were going into lockdown. First thing I thought of was I thought, got a house that's paid for. I don't owe a cent on this house. Mm. I've got properties that I own where I think my tenants will make it. So I'll have money. Didn't think for one stage, this is a great thing. But I thought, I've got that security. If I was scaling up, I may have had to use my house as security or even sell the house and use that money so i think access to finance you don't have loans from the banks and you're not involved in a country where they're supportive of small businesses because i really believe south africa isn't you're going to employ people i also remember we had our shop at Comport. we had the labor rules on the wall everyone had their lunch time and there were some miserable days of being a bus and i remember one of the days you know, we I had a staff of about five or six people and we had a big shop. It was it was way too big for us. And it cost me like fifty thousand Rand a month for the shop. Shop in now cost me a lot less. And I just remember everybody eats at the shop. They had lunch and I came in and I thought, We don't have a cleaning lady. I as the boss need to clean table because we also meet and discuss things and people don't care i would empty their dustbins and you've always got ccma and all these labor things on your back now remember cleaning up dining room and kitchen area which i don't put home with my children yeah and i also felt like maybe i'm not a good boss so could i send them an email saying if you eat i'm not going to clean up after you so then maybe if you know your own strengths, you will know being a boss is not for you. And by forcing the thing, you're going to be very unhappy. So that's where I am in my business, which doesn't mean your situation is different. Employing people, yeah, it's, it's not a joke. You can have that will work for you and do nothing. Scaling up, having lots of offices involves risk. Are you a risk taker? Do you know your personality? What is your family set up like? Can you be away from home if you've got an office in Cape Town and an office in Randburg and Rudapitz? For me, also families first. I've had kids, I've been to their soccer games, I've been to their school concerts, into the university graduation. So being a small business, we also a family business. It's it's tiny, but it's strong and it's what I want. Other people may look and say, why didn't you take opportunity why do you only have the one shop why don't you have six shops it's a personal thing okay there's a lot of conflicting information regarding diversifying versus finding a niche in your chosen field i personally feel that if you diversify too much you end up spreading yourself too thin especially as a small business but niching provides the opposite threat because with the rise of automation and ai and the digital revolution if you have chosen the wrong niche your entire service could be rendered irrelevant
relevant. What is your kind of feeling on the debate between diversifying and niching? Niche, the specialization, the closer you can get to exactly what you want to do is where the money is. So for me, I work with first-time buyers. I like to help someone who's never owned a property before. But if you sell a house for 5 million rand and the deal collapses, you've got nothing. If I sell 10 houses and each one's round about a million, I'm over the moon about it. So the niche market for me is a farming area where I know everyone in my farming area. And it could even be in a street, in one particular street. If I'm working in Cornelia Street, I know the complexes, I know the security guards, I know the rules of the complexes, the policies. So the closer you can get to the niche and somebody says, can you come and sell my house in North Riding? I say to them, no, Nicholas Cam, Nicholas Heels from Camden's, I'll refer him, he can come and sell your house in North Riding. Because I don't know the type of buyers that are buying there. Mm. I don't know the prices. And I don't want to drive to North Riding, show someone they don't like the house, and drive an hour back in the traffic. So for me, the niching, if you can translate that into your business, where do you want to be? Do you want to work with other first-time buyers? Do you want to work with people that are in the travel business? It will reopen. If that's what you want to do, say, I'm Megan. I work with travel agents. This is the service I offer. And this is John, who's a travel agent. This is what he says about my service. Mm. So for me, the diversifying is totally off the cards. It doesn't work. It will mess you up. People that opposite must pursue their what they need to do. For me, it's that targeting and zoning in to exactly where you want your business to be. Are you not concerned that, uh, I don't know, a competitor comes in or a, a piece of tech arrives that will kind of destroy that niche for a lot of people that's the 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 concern and that's why they end up diversifying you do you've always got to have that in the back of your mind i mean what happens if people don't need estate agents but they keep doing surveys over and over and they're saying regardless of apps and ai people like the interaction with the real estate agent so it's kind of good for me i know where i'm going in that i also know You've really got to be there for clients, go the extra mile for extra services, or you will become redundant. You will become a dinosaur. People won't need you. They can replace you. So to be irreplaceable, you've got to be top of mind. When they think of selling their house, they've got to give you a call. If they're calling your competitor, competitor's doing something that you're not. And if you're not keeping in contact with your clients, a competitor is. Speaking of apps and um, and AI and that kind of thing, um, obviously COVID-19 is changing the business landscape as we know it. And personally, I don't think that things are going to go back to the way they were before. I think that we will return to some sort of normality, but it's never going to be exactly the same. So as we move towards a kind of a more digital world, where do you think that the opportunities lie as a small business? service i think you need to be very focused on helping people what is their need if if you can't fill a need they need a key and you tell them to go to a locksmith what we normally do is we take the keys ourselves we go to builders warehouse we make the keys so i think find out what your competitors are doing and find out how can you up your game long before no i'm not saying all businesses have to change and we don't know what the future is going to look like 
if I look at how long I've been in business, when we did a lot of rentals, people would arrive at my house and they would have cash. We would have 5,000 rand cash pay their rent and we would give them a handwritten receipt and I would drive in the car to Hill Fox. At Hill Fox, all the banks were there and Ned was across the road at Town Square. Mm. Banking's changed. So a lot of those people, I mean, there, there isn't a Ned Bank anymore. There's only an, an ATM at Town Square. Hill Fox, I don't think there's banks anymore. No. So I can't take the risk, drive all the way to Clearwater with 5,000 Rand. So I can take 500 Rand cash. So for a long time with PayProp, we've been telling people, you can pay checkers, you can pay, can pay electronic transfers, things are going digital. So educate your clients as well. This is how we used to do things. This is how we're now going to do it. Can I show you? Can I help you? Maybe if I show you how to do internet banking, guy I know went during COVID-19 to stand at bank at Clearwater to pay his credit card and stood there for three hours. Jeez. Time is money. Yeah. If he knew how to do internet banking, he could have paid those credit cards in one minute each. Mm. So I think sometimes people don't want to ask, but you could ask somebody, no, can I help you? Can I show you how to do internet banking? Maybe you can show me how to pick a cake. You know, kind of communicating better with all. I think communication is key. I also find, you know, if it's the last thing, time. If you phone an agent and tell you i can come on saturday and look at your house if somebody hasn't paid fund or they've had a fight with their partner get on the ball say to them can i come now and look at the house they'll say okay come at four o'clock or that person's too can we make it tomorrow i think it's that thing of like in corporate where so much red tape now you've got to find out can you do things and mm. you know it's it's just mind-boggling but you are in a small business we're lucky we don't have any of those scenarios act quickly when somebody gives me their property to sell don't wait to the next day to go live i can sit in my lounge advertise it on property 24 and send them a link and say thank you for letting me visit with you today talking about before lockdown and your property is already on the internet is there anything about the advert that you would like to change or add but you know just moving quicker not putting off things and delaying and having to ask for managers or uh, a lot of corporates don't sit well with me. Moving into the quick fire round, uh, first question, define success. Success to me is happiness, it's money in the bank and it's having confidence. How do you usually start your day? What I normally do is I play music, there's songs that I really like and I like to listen to those songs, I feel sort of pumped up from the music and I try to get going with positive affirmation saying, Today is going to be a great day. I'm going to get out of the house because if you're at home, you've got to get going. If you're yeah. in sales, get to the office or meet with a friend who's maybe also got their own business. Otherwise, you're going to wear slippers and pajamas and hang around the house. You're not going to feel motivated. So I also try to go to the hair salon as well because if your hair feels great, you feel great. So in the morning, have have like um detox tea and i'll say okay it's going to be a, a successful healthy day then as the day goes along the stuff can wear off you can start drinking coffee but at least in the beginning of the day make a good start and be grateful just say i thank god for for a beautiful day you know this is the day the lord has made let's be glad and rejoice in it think of 
positive things, but don't start the day being negative. Mm. Really, really don't do that. Yeah. What do you do when you're not working on your business? I've got a lot of hobbies. I like gardening. So we go to lifestyles, we buy things. We also bring home improvements. So we tile our own patio. And then we go like to look for things at Leroy Merlin's. I like cooking a lot. I did a course at Leroy Merlin's with a lady, Faiza. He's fantastic. So a lot of cooking. I used to go to the gym, although I'm a useless at that. <laughs> I'd like to also play tennis again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think being a mom, you know, you've, you've got to be supportive of your kids, what they're doing in their life. So... And, and traveling, you know, we travel a lot, so there's a lot of planning with it and like reading. So I think as you get older, maybe you don't want to be a social. I like movies. We go to movies, watch a lot of movies, lots of TV, you know, interesting things, history. We watch the History Channel. Yeah. Not good at art, but during the lockdown, try to paint things and make some things. And even catching up people, you know, it is kind of a hobby for me. Also, the posting on LinkedIn, keeping up with business trends, things like that as well. What do you rely on for continued learning? So the state agents board, they've got a prescribed CPD program and it will keep you quite busy. They actually have topics you can choose and once you've chosen those topics, you've got to follow. So at the moment, I'm doing the continued learning with them. It's also like open on YouTube is a lot of sales. I follow like Tom Ferry and Brian Buffini, real estate coaches from America and you know just try and follow them on a daily basis because again if you don't follow every day you kind of forget or mm. fall behind. So yeah it's you know YouTube videos I found a little bit easier than reading because if you've worked the whole day and you still need to come home and read onto the screen eyes get tired and it's really difficult if you're a student it's fine if you've worked a full day and you've still got to learn but actually the way the state agents board is doing it is quite good because they have their videos and get your cpd points for what you have learned how much time do you spend on further studies uh, a day i would say maximum half an hour a day last question if you could impart one piece of advice on how to build either a successful business or just a, a good solid happy life in general what would it be just think find your why you know people often do things because parents want them to do it or partner know you're in a business with your husband or something i just think it is a bit selfish but if you know your purpose and your why and you can say no no is the most powerful thing you can tell a customer i don't want to sell your house they can't leave it because they think estate agents are so desperate we will take any house if a house has got a leaking roof set peace peace of mind knowing when you go to bed you haven't stolen from anyone. You haven't done anyone wrong. Apologize if you have a fight with a colleague and you know where you are and what you believe in. You can't go wrong. I think so many people are affected by peer pressure or how a business is supposed to look. You've got to have lots of staff or you've got to doing this. You've got to dress like this. You've got to have a BMW if you're an estate agent. You don't. I think it's that thing that drives you is what's inside of you your own spirit just my advice is don't be led by other people if it feels wrong wrong thank you adrian um 
that was uh, quite inspiring. <laughs> Where can people find you online and get hold of you? A lot of people connect with me over WhatsApp. If you phone me, um, I can keep your details. We've got the shops, Devon Valley, which we will reopen again. Lorette does manage the Facebook page and on LinkedIn. Connect with a lot of people on LinkedIn. Thank you, Adrian, for taking the time. Um, I've really enjoyed our chat. Yeah, I, I appreciate the um, the input and your your wisdom from years of business. Um, I've definitely learned a lot, and I hope that everyone else that listens to this podcast will will learn from your wisdom as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> Follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.